Amen. Thank you, Chuck. Good morning, everybody. And a special welcome to our guests this morning and everybody. It's so good to have you all. I want to give a special, uh, wow, what a blessing to have Claudia come up and sing this morning, huh? Ah, thank you, Claudia. <laughs> Amen. That was a blessing. And uh, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Casey. Not only does he do a great job le uh, uh, leading our music, but uh, he was out. I went to, I was in the office. I come in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and both days I was here. Casey was out there with his lawnmower mowing all the weeds, all the, not well, yeah, I guess they are, over there on that side of the building, uh, working so hard all day. And thank you, Casey, for your good work out there. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We have a couple prayer requests this morning. Um, before, uh, before we get started, uh, Lupe has been having a kind of a severe back difficulty this week. And then Joe uh, with the leg, with his leg. And then uh, difficulty, pain. Uh, we also want to pray for uh, Brian's brother who's in the hospital with heart problems. Is that right, Brian? So let's go ahead and bow our heads together and uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just pray. We want to pray right now for Lupe, Lord. And just put your hand upon her, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you, you give her healing, Lord. It, it, it sounds like it might be the... Uh, you know, the, if it's the nerves or whatever the problem is in the back, Lord, please uh, heal. Let your, your healing hand be upon her, Lord, and, and just help her to get better, Lord. Just heal up her back. And for Joe as well, Lord, with his leg and, and uh, uh, the pain there, we just pray that you heal him and, and minister to him. And we also pray for Brian's uh, brother, Lord, who's in the hospital with, back, uh, with his uh, heart, heart condition. Uh, give the doctors wisdom and uh, help me get all the right medication and give them all the right treatment. And Father, please uh, uh, minister to him, Lord, in his body and give him, give him full health, Lord. Give him all the right treatment and give him health in his heart and his body. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. So we are continuing our series and yeah, Brian, he's going to go see his brother right now in the hospital, right, Brian? Okay, God bless you. God be with you, Brian. Uh, we're going to continue in our series in the Gospel of John. You might want to get ready for that. It's going to be in John chapter 5. We've been going uh, pretty much, uh, what is it, what, my love, a chapter a week, something like that. And uh, But as we begin, uh, before we get to the scripture, I have a question for you. And that is this, is religion good for your mental and physical health? Now, many people would say no. <laughs> many people in our society say no. But, you know, people have been writing about this, especially in the last few years, about the, the benefit of religion, quote, unquote, to your mental and physical health. Uh, authors have been writing about that in a positive way. USA Today recently did a story with the title, Religion May Be a Miracle Drug, <laughs> okay? And uh, 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 it, it begins the piece by saying this. It asks the question, if one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost, what value would our society place on it? 
And then it goes on to talk about the, it outlines the mental and physical health benefits of regular religious participation. Another author, David Larson. Uh, this one used to work for the National Institute for Mental Health. He worked for many years for them. He himself is a Christian. He's written about this extensively in many uh, articles and uh, studies. The, the benefit of, for your mental and physical health, benefit of religion. So Christianity Today interviewed him, and they asked him this question. If there are positive and uh, negative ways of being religious, are there healthy and or unhealthy ways of being religious? And he said, yes, there is. He said, healthy religious people seem to have an honest commitment to God and are willing to admit they need assistance from others. In other words, healthy religious people know they need help and they're not afraid to admit they need help. They need know they need help from others, and they know they need help from God. If we're honest with God, and if we're honest with ourselves, we know we need help. We're going to we're going to read uh, we're going to we're going to read about a, a man who needed help in just a moment. Might want to get ready for it, John chapter 5. He was paralyzed, and he was laying at a pool waiting for help. Jesus comes, comes to him, comes by, and he sees him. And so let's pick up the story from there. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. I think it will also be on our, on our uh, screen up there. I also want to thank Jacob for all the great work he does week after week. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> John chapter 5, if you're, if you're able and willing, if you would stand with me and we'll read together. Oh, you're already standing. <laughs> okay, very good. Okay, John 5, here we go. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there for, an invalid who was there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, and he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm getting, trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. <laughs> but he replied, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who, who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man, was, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, 
Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, this man, this man who was healed 38 years. He, he finally, at the end, identified Jesus as the one who healed him, the one who helped him. He found his help in the Lord. And that's just what, that's just what God wants you and me to do today. Find your help in the Lord. Find your help in the Lord. Jacob, <laughs> find your help in the Lord. Be aware of your need for help and seek God as your helper. Seek to stand in his strength, walk in his will, and persevere in his power. Find your help in the Lord. We're going to look at two ways this morning that the Lord helps us, okay? So let's begin. The Lord, find your help in the Lord. He is our hope. He is our hope. He is the one in whom we put our faith. Let's take a look. Verse 2 and 3. It says, Now there in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, was a pool. In Aramaic, it is called Bethesda. Bethesda. The word Bethesda means house of mercy. The, 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 the disabled would come from all over to the pool to find mercy and to find hope. They would come. And, and this was a famous pool. This pool was supposed to have a, it would supposedly had miraculous power. So the disabled would come from all over. They would crowd into this pool if they could. They were the blind. They were the helpless. They were the crippled. And they crowded around this pool. There was a, uh, it was said that there was an angel that stirred the water. This was what the tradition said. There was an angel that stirred the water. And when the water stirred, when it, when it started to bubble up, the first one in would be healed. So they came to this pool. They, uh, they came to this pool and uh, uh, they, they, they came to the colonnades or arches or doorways. They tried to get to the pool through the doorways. The, the, that pool was their hope. They wanted to go through the doorways. Well, you know, Jesus is our doorway. Amen. He's not only our doorway, he's our pool. Amen. He's our pool. He's our eternal hope. He's our everlasting hope. You know, we might be going through things in life, difficulties in life that we have to go through. But Jesus is our eternal hope. He's our everlasting hope. He's our infinite hope. There's going to be people. There's going to be things. There's going to be circumstances in life that will hurt you. They will hamper you. They will frustrate you. But as you look to Jesus, he is our eternal hope. We have to understand that those things are temporary hardships. Those disappointments in our life are temporary 
frustrations. Listen to Dr. Martin Luther King, what he says about this. He says, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Jesus is our infinite hope. He, he, he's our infinite hope. He's our eternal hope. He's our unchanging hope. You know, he's our hope for eternity, but he cares for us today. Jesus knows what's happening to you today. And he cares for you. He cares for you. So Jesus is our hope who cares for our needs. He cares for our needs. And he thinks about us. And he cares for us. Look at verse 5 and 6. Just like he did the invalid. It says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him there, he learned about his condition. He learned that he'd been there. He learned that he'd been there for a long, long time. See, Jesus had come from Galilee. You remember last week, he went up from Samaria, went through Samaria, went to Galilee, and he ministered in Galilee for a period of time. And now he came back to Jerusalem. And this was an annual feast. He probably it was probably the Passover feast. Jesus came down, and he purposely went to where the disabled gathered. He went to this pool. He knew about this pool. Jesus was drawn to the disabled and those in need. If you have the Spirit of Christ in you, as a believer, you should be drawn to the same thing. He was drawn to those in need. So he went to this pool. He went to this pool. And he saw this man. And he went to him, and he, and, and, and he, he, as an individual, he focused on him as an individual. That's how Jesus cares for us. He cares for us individually, one by one. We are important to him. He knows us individually. He cares for us individually, and he calls us individually. Did you know that? Jesus said, I know my sheep, and my sheep hear my God, you're important to God as an individual. God cares for you individually. Jesus gives the example of, the, of a man with a hundred sheep. Do you remember it? Matthew 18, verse 11 to 13. Jesus gives the example of a man that has a hundred sheep. And he's caring for these sheep and he's busy with these sheep and he loves his sheep. But one day, one of his sheep goes astray. And so what does he do? He leaves, what, the 99, huh? That sheep that went astray is going down the terrain, the dangerous mountain terrain. What does he do? Goes on a hike. I got to find my sheep. And he goes on the hike and he finds his sheep and it, and it puts a big smile on his face. And Jesus said he rejoices more over that one lost sheep that he found than all 99 that didn't go astray. See, Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. He cares for us one at a time. He cares for you individually. Individually. It should give us, it should give us peace. It should give us comfort to know, you know, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. Did you know that? It should give us peace. It should give us comfort. It should give us strength to know that he cares for you. God cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 
God cares for you. As an individual. As an individual. He cares for us individually. He cares for us individually. Healthy way, a healthy way to be religious is to admit your need. Be willing to ask for help and find your help in the Lord. He's a help. He's our helper who cares for our needs. He is our hope that cares for our needs. And he is our hope who's there to lift you up, to hold you up, to rise up in his strength. Jesus walked against, uh, among these people that were helpless, that were suffering, that were crippled. The people that were waiting for the water to rise. And when he saw this man, he went over to him. And he began to talk to him. And he asked him a question, verse 6. He says, Jesus saw him lying there. He learned he'd been there so long. And he asked him, do you want to get well? I mean, that seems like an interesting, uh, obvious answer. Do you want to get, why did Jesus ask him, do you want to get well? Well, you see, I think Jesus was wanting him to verbalize his desire to prove that he hadn't lost hope. You know, a lot of times when people suffer pain for long periods of time or misfortune for long periods of time, they, they can surrender their will to live victoriously. They might even surrender their will to live. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And the man answered him. And the man answered him. In verse 6, it's in verse 6 and 7, it says this. He says this, verse 7, Sir, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when, I, when the water stirred. But when, I, you know, when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. You know, when the water starts to bubble, there might have been, by the way, there might have been a, an underground stream under this pool that caused it to bubble up every once in a while. And with the, when the pool started to bubble, this man started to crawl. He tried to get there before anybody, but somebody else always got there first. This man, but he said, I'm trying. When I'm trying, the word trying there means literally in the original Greek, uh, moving from one point to another, from one place to another. So this man is, is proving he hadn't lost hope. He hadn't quit striving. He hadn't stopped pushing to get to the place where he could be healed. He didn't lose hope. He hadn't let the disappointment after disappointment after disappointment drain him of all hope. No. No, he still had hope. He was trying. He was trying. He told Jesus he was trying. You know, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is there to lift us up. Jesus is there to encourage us. Jesus is there to strengthen us. He's our hope to lift you up. When this, this invalid showed that he hadn't lost hope, that he was trying... You know, we need, he showed that he, we need hope. Amen? We need hope to survive. We need hope to stay alive. We need hope to thrive. We need hope. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Like, uh, Jesus is our hope and our help in times of trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our strength and our refuge in times of trouble. He's an ever-present, ever-present 
in times of trouble. He's our strength. Uh, God is our refuge and our strength. Our refuge, that means it's a place of protection. He's our place of safety. He's our hiding place. He's our refuge. He is our strength. He gives us his strength. And he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's always there. He's always there to help. It's just for up to us to do what? To reach out. Find your help in the Lord. Reach out. Reach out. Seek him. Seek after him. Look to him. Call to him. Call to him. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call out. Call out. Verse 7, the invalid said this. When I try, when I try, someone always goes ahead of me. There wasn't anyone willing to help. Wasn't anyone willing to be a friend. You know there's power in friendship. Did you know that? There's power in friendship. There is power. There is power to help. There is power to support. There is power to lift up. Listen to this. <laughs> Wired Magazine explored the effectiveness of AA groups. AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And they explore, explore the effectiveness how millions of people recover and maintain sobriety through Alcoholics Anonymous. And it asks the question, why? And the article says this. It says, despite all we've learned over the past decades about psychology and neurology and human behavior, contemporary medicine has yet to devise anything better. Why? Anything better than AA. Why? It says this. It says it focuses on one factor, and it says this. It is the power of a small group of like-minded friends who provides support, honesty, and accountability. Uh, friends, there's power in friendship. The, the journalist Walter Winchell once said, a friend is somebody who walks in when everyone else walks out. Huh? Have you let Jesus walk in to your life? Have you let him lift you up? He comes to lift us up. He's our hope to lift us up. Jesus is our hope, but it will only happen when you look to him. It will only happen when you seek him. It will only happen when you reach out to him. And you're going to hear him say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus is commanding us, pick up your mat and walk. He is our hope that cares for our needs. He is our hope that lifts us up to walk with him in victory. And you find your hope, find your help in the Lord. So Jesus is our help. He is our hope. He is our hope. And secondly, the second way the Lord is our helper, he is our healer. He makes us whole. Verse 6, Jesus told, Jesus told the man, he asked the man, do you want to get well? The word get well there in the original language means to be made whole. The King James translates it, wilt thou be made whole? It's talking about more than just physical healing. It's talking about the healing of the entire being, your body, your soul, your spirit. Jesus came to bring our soul wholeness. 
You know, you, we, we come to the Lord, we seek him out, but even though we might not find full physical healing or psychological healing, we should always be able to say with a hymn writer, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. Amen. It is well with my soul. Jesus cures us. He brings us wholeness in our soul. Whatever struggle you might encounter, whatever challenge you might face, whatever adversity you might be under, we should always be able to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Jesus is our healer. The Lord is our healer. He heals us. He's the one who frees us from the bondage of disease. You know, our world is very much disease conscious today with the worldwide pandemic, coronavirus. As of today, that's taken the lives of over five and a half million people worldwide. Uh, the disease. Uh, Jesus is speaking to a man with a disease that needs to be cured. And he calls to him. Get up his mat, take up his mat and walk. And what does he do? The moment he says it, let's take a look at verse 8. The moment he says it, get up, take up your mat and walk at once. Notice that, at once. The man was cured. Didn't take much time. It was immediate. Why? Because he did what Jesus told him to do. He, he obeyed the word of Christ. He obeyed the word of God. He simply did what Christ told him to do. We don't know if he felt a surge of energy. We don't know if he felt the strength coming in his legs. He just, but he got up. He got up and he started walking. And he obeyed what Christ told him to do. And at that moment, at that moment, he was free. He was free of the bondage that held him down for 38 years. Why? Because he simply obeyed. He simply obeyed the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. He simply obeyed. He, he, he got up. He rolled up his sleeping mat. You know, that mat he was on, he slept on. He, had took, he rolled it up. He started walking. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what he must have looked like? I, imagine, I bet you he had to hop in his staff. Amen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't walk. Woo. 38 years. And so he's walking. And so he's walking. And, uh, you know, sometimes he, he, he was free. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a debilitating disease. Okay. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about physical here, although that can be too. But we can find ourselves in a debilitating disease having to do with sin in our minds and in our hearts. It's a debilitating disease that can put us in bondage. You know, it can put us in bondage. The Apostle Peter talks about this. He says, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, whatever, overco whatever overcomes a man, to that he is enslaved. We can be enslaved to sinful patterns of thinking. As one group calls it, stinking thinking. <laughs> stinking thinking, huh? We can be enslaved 
to these thoughts. You know, Jesus died and rose again to free us from the bondage of sin. Just like Moses freed the Egyptians, I'm sorry, the Israelites from Egypt. There is a, I'm going to tell you about a, a woman who lived around the time of uh, Abraham Lincoln. This was the time our country was enslaved. It was, our country was enslaved with sinful thinking when we practiced, when it practiced slavery. This woman's name, she was called the Moses of her people. Her name was Harriet Tubman. You might know the name. You know, this month, February, is Black History Month. And she is a heroine of black history. She, she, she found freedom in the North, and, but she wasn't, she wasn't going to go, uh, you know, she, she wasn't, wasn't going to go just by herself. She, she created what's called the Underground Railroad. She was a conductor of this railroad. The railroad was safe houses and people that would provide safe passageway from south to north. It was a network uh, to, to help them escape. And she said this, her writer, the biographer who wrote, wrote about her said this. She talked about her mission. She said this mission was given to her by God. She says, and I quote Harriet Tubman, To this solemn resolution I came. I was free, and they should be also. I would make a home for them in the north. And the Lord helping me, I would bring them all there. Oh, how I prayed Lying alone on the cold campground. Oh, dear Lord, I said, I ain't got no friend but you. Come to help me, Lord, for I'm in trouble. It wasn't me. It was the Lord, she said. I always told him, I trust you. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, but I expect you to lead me. And he always did. Harriet Tubman found her help in the Lord. Amen. She found her ever-present help in God Almighty. And she was free from the bondage of slavery. And she said she led many, many people to freedom. There's a spiritual slavery that we can find ourselves in and the way that we, old patterns of thinking that only God can free us from. Paul told Timothy, he told 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is writing to Timothy about how to help people that have been entrapped and enslaved by the devil. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with uh, verse 25 and 26, Paul tells him, instruct these people with gentleness, instruct them in the truth that they might find repentance, Verse 26 of 2 Timothy 2, and that they might come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You see, there is a spiritual enslavement. We can find ourselves in, in the way that we think that we need to be freed from. Jesus came to free us. Jesus came to free us. Spiritual, the sp spiritual freedom from captivity comes when we hear the Word of God by the help of the Holy Spirit, when we obey the Word of God like that invalid man did, and we, we immediately, you know, the, the, the immediately the invalid obeyed Christ. He picked up his mat and walked. And what God is saying to you, 
pick up your mat and start walking. Walk with your feet. Walk with your heart. Walk in obedience to the word of God. And you'll walk in freedom. What did Jesus say? Know the truth. He said, I'm the truth, and the truth will set you free. Walking in freedom. He's the one who, he's the one who frees us from the bondage of disease. Not only that, he is our healer who warns us against the consequences of sin. Warns. Warns us from, about turning from God, turning from God's word and God's law. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says this. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which that took place was the Sabbath. And the Jews said to the man, who's been healed? It's the Sabbath. God, the Lord forbids you. <laughs> I, I find this kind of humorous, don't you? It forbids you to pick up your, I mean, this was ridiculous. What? Uh, ridiculous. Accusing him. See, they had come up with all these traditions about the fourth commandment. What is the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. On that day, you shall do no work. So they built up all these little man-made rules around that. You can't do this and you can't do that. Uh, they were accusing him of breaking a law of God that didn't exist. That wasn't God's law, that was man's law. You know, uh, I mean, come on. Here, God just healed a man in his mercy and his love, and you're worried about him carrying his mat on the Sabbath? Yeah, oh, come on, there's something wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with that picture. <laughs> Jesus warns us against the consequences of sin, real sin. See, these Jews... Uh, we're thinking about all their man-made laws, but they were overlooking God's most important law. James chapter 2, verse 8, the royal law of love. The royal law of love. God's most important law. Jesus said all the commandments are filled in one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know about the law. It's all fulfilled right there. So, he warns us and he warned this, uh, this invalid, Jesus, Jesus went to go look for this invalid. After he had gone uh, into the temple, Jesus went to look for him. Let's take a look, verse 14. It says, he, Jesus later found him at the temple because he wanted to give him a warning. He says, see, you are well again. He wanted to remind him what God had done for him, what, what he'd been freed from. Don't forget God. Don't forget, forget what God has done for you. And then he gives them some very, very sobering words. Second part of verse 14. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What worse can happen to you than 38 years of being invalid? What worse can happen to you for 38 years of being invalid, being uh, uh, separated from God from eternity. So you see, this man needed to admit his sin, repent of his sin, and turn to Jesus Christ. He needed to turn to the truth to find salvation in Jesus. In Jesus. For Jesus died so that we could be healed. So that, you know, the problem is this. 
Jesus was telling him, he, he says, don't, he says, stop sinning. He's not saying you can actually stop sinning entirely. None of us can do. First John tells us that. If we say we sin, we're a liar. We call God a liar because it's, you know, we're sinners. But what he's saying is don't live a life of sin. Don't live a life of sin. That's what he's telling him. That's what he's telling him. Don't live a life of sin. Our, the, our hearts, our sinful hearts are what need to be healed. And Jesus died on the cross so that could happen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. By his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. Jesus died so we can be healed. So we can have a right relationship with God. Right relationship with God requires faith in Jesus Christ. And it requires confession of our sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Many of you know it. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Confession. Freedom. Find your help in the Lord, our healer. He frees you from the bondage of disease and he warns you of the consequences of sin. Find your help in the Lord. Jesus is our hope. He is not only our doorway, but he's our pool. Amen. He's our eternal hope. He's the one who's our friend who comes in and walks in to lift us up. He gives us the command, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Not only is our hope, but he's our healer. He's a healer of our soul. So whatever life has to throw at us, we can say it is well, it is well with my soul. Jesus is our healer. He's the one we come to. He came to heal us from stinking thinking. He came to heal us from the traps of the devil. Just like Harriet Tubman called on the Lord for help, that's what God wants us to do. Call on him. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on him. Call on him for forgiveness. Call on him for help. Find your help in the Lord. You know, healthy religion, a healthy religion is a healthy relationship with God. It's an honest relationship, an honest commitment to God where we admit our need, where we seek his help, and we find our help in the Lord. Will you do that? Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, that, that gives us freedom, spiritual freedom, Lord. If we just, uh, just like that Indian, Lord, if we just obey, uh, listen by the power of your Holy Spirit, listen to you speak to us and obey. And as we walk, Lord, we walk in truth, we walk in freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our hope, then you are our healer. In your name we pray.